0: can't believe this. Um, They have installed a timer in the back. And I'm I'm serious. I'm serious. That, That timer was bought just for me so that you're not going to have to worry about it. Now, when I walk out here, obviously, you're thinking, okay, man, we're getting down to the fifth or sixth string. Down down here, because, you know, I, but you're stuck with me for the next 30 minutes, especially my Sunday school class. They're probably thinking, oh, you know, hey, we got one week away, but you know, sorry. Anyway, so we're going to be talking about Ephesians chapter 6, and this is really going to be the end of the book. Now, Paul has dealt with a whole lot of topics prior to this, and all of a sudden, he's getting down to the end. And when we get down to the end of this book, I can see this just like, you know, Tchaikovsky, the the War of 1812. There is a build, and there's a build, and there's a build, and there's a build. And all of a sudden, you get to the very end. And when that happens, all of a sudden, now you can see that all the kettle drums are echoing off the walls. The cannons are shouting. There's this cacophony of sound because now we are to the climax. And I think that's where we are here. We are to the climax of everything that we've been dealing with in this book. And Paul is going to be saying, yes, we have covered a bunch of good material. But now I want to show you why it's important. This is why we've covered all this material, because you have to understand who we are and where we're going. So in this section, he's going to be talking about the spiritual warfare that's going to be existing all around us. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there is a football game going on in this room right now. There's a, there's a, a rock concert going on in this room right now. There's, a, there's somebody that just got, got murdered, and so there's a bunch of police trying to find the clues and et cetera. It's taking place in this room right now. Now, you look around, you don't see it. But the reason you don't see it is because we don't have a TV that's plugged in that's tuned in so that we can receive that broadcast but that doesn't mean it's not there. And I want you to know that there is a spiritual warfare that is taking place all around us too. And it may be invisible, maybe you can't see it, but maybe that's just because we are not tuned in so that we can take advantage of it so we can see it. People say, the spiritual warfare, oh, that sounds really, you know, that's all cool and everything, but I can't see it. It must not be real. Let me tell you something, within 100 years, a lot less for some of us, we are going to be able to see into that spiritual realm. And we're going to be able to see that that spiritual realm dwarfs everything that we see in the physical. And it is going to be infinitely more important than anything that you can see. And it is more real than this stuff that you can look around and you can touch. Because the warfare, the spiritual warfare, is probably the most important thing for us to realize when we understand how we are going to relate to God and how we're going to be able to be successful in our lives. So we're going to be talking about this right now. And so Paul says, finally, which means to sum up everything that he had been talking about back in this book. Now, we've all been... You know, talking to, we've all sat in, in congregations for these good old Baptist preachers where they will say, okay, now in conclusion, and then they preach another 30 minutes. You know what I'm talking about. Well, that's what Paul's going to do. He says, finally, we're at the end to sum everything up. He says, here's what I want you to know. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Notice that this is a command. You do this. Be strong in the Lord. Now, come on. Every boy when he's grown up, he wants to be strong. You know, that's, you know, I want to be strong. I don't feel very strong right now. But he says be strong. Now, if you want to talk about strong, look at Brad's spine. You guys know Brad, right? Now, Brad's just a, just, he's just a little guy. I could probably eat him. In, in fact, you might look like maybe I did eat him. But the, th- but the thing about Brad is he can do a push-up on just one fingernail. Now, that's probably stretching it a little bit. But he's got a tremendous amount of strength. But, uh, you know, if you put Brad up against Godzilla, he probably would have trouble. If he's in the middle of a field and there's atomic weapons dropping all around him, he probably would have trouble. His strength means nothing if you put him face-to-face with an angry woman. I mean, when you think of all of these things, Brad's spine, as strong as he is, his strength will not stand to certain things. And I want you to know that you may be strong, but your strength is not going to stand up to the enemy's weapons. If you don't have the power of the Lord inside of you, I don't care how strong you are. You ain't nothing. You're nothing. So when Paul is saying to be strong, he says, not by your own power. Be strong in the strength of the Lord. Because you're you're going to be attacked. And you're going to have all of these weapons that are going to come against you, this weapons of fear and this weapons of hatred and anger and rage and manipulation. All of these weapons are going to be coming up against you. And if you don't have the weapons of love and character and compassion and all these other things that go with God, you're going to totally miss it and you're going to be defeated every single time. And so he says, you be strong, but don't think that you're going to be strong within your own power. Be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power, those two words in the Greek, always, always refer to the strength of the gods. So this is where you're going to have to be strong, okay? in his mighty power. And he says, and put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand. We're going to talk about that in a minute, so I'm going to pass over this. But the whole idea is so that you will not fall for the devil's schemes, so that you can make a stand for the devil's schemes. Everybody knows that the devil has plans for you you've been able to see it. You've been able to understand that anything that you want to accomplish, the devils are always there to thwart you. Unless, of course, you're planning and what he wants you to do. But you're, the devil's always going to be there to try and take away everything that you are trying to do for God. And he says, you need to be able to stand against that. You need to understand that the devil has plans for your life, and the plans that the devil has for your life is 100% contrary to what God has planned for your life. He says, and you have to 100% make a stand. You have to 100% decide that you're not going to budge me. Because I've got so much, something that is so much bigger than what you are. I've got this armor, and he says, and I'm putting it on. He says, and because of that, I will be able to stand against these devil schemes. And then he says, for our struggle, and this and struggle, this is a life and death struggle. Sometimes the word is used when you're talking about wrestlers, where it doesn't matter what the other person does, I'm going to defeat him. This is not just, hey, you know, hey, let, let's play some basketball. This is not anywhere near that. This is a major, major struggle. And he says, and our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against all these powers and dominions. Our struggle is against all of these terrible, horrible, demonic forces that's in, that's in, the, in, in, the, uh, in the spiritual universe. And he says, but we sometimes, we think that our struggle is against a person. Now, for those of you who didn't see uh, the Hunger Games and that, that trilogy, you probably don't understand what I'm getting ready to say. But in the third quarter quell, Katniss is standing there. He's getting ready to shoot an arrow at Finn. And Finn looks at her and says, remember who the real enemy is. And as soon as she saw that, her arrow went down because she understood that Finn wasn't the enemy. It was these people who were someplace else who were causing them to be angry at each other and try and kill each other. And the same is going to be true with us. We have to understand who our real enemy is. It's not people. It's not flesh and blood. Now, you might be in a situation where your boss is just absolutely getting on your nerves. And he seems to be doing everything to try and destroy you. Guess what? He's not your enemy. Your struggle is not against your boss. You may, you may be in a situation that your husband is just flat out, you know, he's, he's doing everything that he can to make sure that you're not happy. Guess what? Your husband isn't the problem. Satan is the one who's the problem. Your kids are on your last nerve. Guess what? It's not your kids. Okay? We have to understand who the real enemy is. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against all these powers, against all these demonic forces. And, and with, what he's talking about here are just the, the, the range of these people, the authorities, the powers, and, and the spiritual forces of evil. Because of this, because of this, he says, therefore, whenever you see therefore, think why for. Okay? When because of everything that he's talking about, he says, put on the full armor of God. Okay, notice, all, notice first off, he says, put on the full armor. Now, We might have the wonderful, the most wonderful, the most beautiful, the the incredibly strong armor. But if we put it in this fancy cabinet behind glass and we keep it all clean and everything, that armor is not doing us a bit of good. He says, put it on. So what if it gets dirty? So what if there's scuffs in it? It's not going to do you any good in cabinet. Make sure that you put this armor on. And he says also make sure you're putting on the full armor when I was young, I was younger, I was smaller than most of the other guys <coughs> that were around. And one day, I got a football uniform. Oh, this was cool. It had the cleats, I had the shoulder pads, the knee pads, I had everything except a helmet. But that's okay, because I was protected 90%, right? And so I get involved, and the very first time that I get hit, I, well, I don't remember whether I woke up that day or the next day. But I was attacked in the one place that I wasn't protected. And the same thing is going to happen with you. You are not going to be attacked by Satan in the place that you're strong. You're not going to be attacked by him in the, in the place where you're protected. But if there's going to be a place where you're not protected, that's where Satan is going to attack. And he says, so make sure you have the whole armor, not just a little bit. You're going to have to make sure that you have the whole armor on. Okay, I keep losing my place. Okay, so make sure that you have the, the full armor so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, when is the day of evil? You know, say, some people said, oh, that's the day of the second coming. Are you kidding me? For a Christian, is that a day of evil? No, that's a day of glory. The day of evil is any day where evil is going to come. You, you, you guys must know, Alex. You know, he, he worked here for, you know, for quite a while. His mom died of COVID, you know, a short time ago. I think that was a day of evil. Stephen was involved in a very, very serious car accident. To me, that was a day of evil. The day our house burned down, that was a day of evil. Okay? We have so many things. Now, that does, that's not saying that good can't come up front. But anytime time these bad things come against you, that's a day of evil. You know what that tells you? That means that every single day is a day of evil. If every single day is a day of evil, guess what that tells you about your armor? You should be having your armor on every single day. Because every single day is a day of evil. So make sure, that you, make sure that you're wearing it. Okay. So put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That's going to be so important. You have to be able to stand your ground. Now, Roman soldiers, they were only required to stand and to protect a three foot by three foot area. That's all. They weren't required to protect all these other places, you have this three-by-three area, you stand your ground. And it's really tough to knock a Roman soldier off that. He says, so so this is the place where you're standing. And as a Christian, you are told to stand your ground, okay? He says, so that after you have done everything to stand, that means you have a part to play in this. You can't expect God to do everything for you you have a part. You have to be putting on the armor. You have to be doing your study. You have to be doing everything that you can to make your stand, right? He says that after you have done everything to stand, stand. After you have done everything to stand, then stand. Now, I don't wanna get all Greeky here, but this this word stand, this is the, this is the second person plural Im, imperative, intransitive aorist expielidocious. Okay? So anyway, what this is saying, okay, second person imperative, second person plural, that's you all. Okay, y'all. And then imperative, this is command, you all do something. Right? And then it's also the intransitive aoris, which means, well, let me just tell you. There's a, let's say that you take a ball. I throw the ball, that's active. If I'm the ball and the ball is thrown, that's passive. This other is you allow yourself as a ball to be thrown. You are actively involved with the decision to make sure that this ball gets thrown. And that's what it's talking about here that you are not the one who is standing. You are not the one that that is being stood, but you are actively involved in the decision and in the way that the standing takes place. In other words, you are letting God stand through you. After you have done everything in your power to stand, you put yourself in a position that God can pick you up and plant your feet on the ground and he will stand through you. Don't think you're going to stand on your own. It's not going to happen. And don't think that God's going to do everything for you. You have to put yourself in position and be an active participant in the idea and in the action of standing. So after you've done everything you can do, then you stand. Okay, that's key. Then you stand. My page got turned. How did that happen? Okay. All right. So, you, so it says, so you stand. And here's, here's the he Then he tells you the army. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. Now this this belt was a metal band that would go around your waist. And there'd be a big uh, metal thing in front to protect your your stomach and everything like that. But the whole idea is there's this metal band that would go all around your waist. Now in the first century... The, most of these people were, ba- were, were wearing these tunics, these skirts. And if you were in a battle, sometimes you need to move this way and move that way, that way. And your skirt could get in your way. Or you could be standing there and somebody on the ground can grab a hold of your skirt and pull you down. Okay? You don't want that. You don't, you don't want to be entangled. You don't want to let somebody to con- control you. And so the best thing they would do is they would take their tunic and they would put it down inside their belt right? And that allowed them freedom. They could move this way, they could move that way, frontwards, backwards, because there's nothing paralyzing them and stopping them from moving where they need to move. Now, what is it that we're supposed, that's going to keep us from paralyzing here? It's truth. It's truth. Now, you may remember a verse that I think somewhere Jesus said that, you know, the truth shall set you free. That's a very, very important thing. If you are lying you're all of a sudden, you're going to be caught in all sorts of bondage because you're going to tell one person a lie. Then you're going to have to tell another lie to cover up that lie. And pretty soon you don't know what to say because you don't know what you told everybody else, right? And And you're stuck, you're paralyzed because you don't know where to go. And that's a serious problem. He says, don't get involved with that. Don't allow yourself to be paralyzed by lies. Make sure that you are always telling the truth. But you know something? Sometimes it's not just the lies that you tell that really bring you down. Sometimes it's the lies that you believe. Because you might believe that I am not good enough for God. I'm not good enough to be loved. And Satan's going to come up against you. You think that God's going to take you to heaven? Ha! That's a joke. I know what you did last week. And so you say, man, he's right. And you throw your armor down and you get killed. He says, you have to have this center, you have to have this truth that's going to be around this belt. Because that's what's going to to protect you. And you know what's something that's interesting about this belt? All the other army attaches to it. Your breastplate attaches to your belt. Okay? You know, when you talk about the, the, uh, the items that are protecting your leg, it's attached to the belt. Your sword, it goes in the belt. This truth is what's going to attach and hold everything else together. He says, this is going to be the center. This is going to be the truth. You need to make sure that you have absolutely established truth as in the very, very beginning of what you're doing. So he says, so make sure that you have this belt of truth. okay?" And he says, and have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Had this breastplate of righteousness. Now, your breastplate is a a big piece of metal that would cover your heart and this area. And the whole idea of the breastplate is to make sure that your heart is covered. Now, when we talk about our heart, we talk about the, the center of our emotions, the way that we feel, the way that we're going to be responding. And he says, and your heart has to be protected by righteousness. Righteousness just simply means we're going to treat every person the right way. We're going to treat them the way that God wants them to be treated, all right? Now, if we don't treat people right, our heart is at risk. If, we, if we're going to say, yeah, you know, it doesn't really matter how I treat you, you know, because after all, I'm the most important person, it's not going to take too long before all of a sudden my heart is going to fall because, all, because I just don't really care anymore. We have to understand that when we are God's soldiers, We have to understand that we are treating people the way that God wants them to be treating. So I'm not treating you good because you're pretty or because I have something to gain from you. I'm treating you rightly because God wants me to treat you rightly. And I'm treating you this particular way because this is the way that God wants you to be treated. And all of a sudden things are going to change and my heart will be protected. That's going to be so incredibly important that everything that I'm going to be doing, everything that that talks about my relationship with you and relationship with every single other person is because I am treating you rightly. And when we can do that, my heart is going to be right. My heart with you, my heart with God. Because it is going to be based on this righteousness. Okay. And then he says, and stand with your feet Uh, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace Um, back when i was in school we took a i took a hermeneutics class and hermeneutics was all about how to prepare a sermon and in this class everybody was assigned you know hey find something in ephesians to preach a sermon on and then if, you know, if you're lucky, you're going to get in a group of three people, and everybody would preach that sermon to your other preacher. if you're really unlucky, you'd end up preaching that whole sermon to the whole class and to the teacher. Well, we had a student from Africa who didn't have a real good grasp of the English language. And when he was preparing his sermon on this topic, he talked about having lions, not loins. He read it as lions. And so he was thinking about lions running all over the place. And in in the King James or the American Standard, which we were using, it said, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He read that as having your feet shot. You know, shooting yourself in the foot. And he proceeded to preach on these two particular things. But but the whole idea is having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All Now, this means you have to have the proper footwear if you're going to be successful on the battlefield. Nikes would never cut it, because somebody could take their spikes and stomp on the top of your foot, and have these spikes go in. You're, you're, out, of the, you're out of the ball game. But even more than that, these uh, these Roman sandals they would have spikes. And and when these had these spikes, they would be able to just put their spike in the ground. And then it didn't matter what somebody did, they would not be able to knock them backwards. Now, in, in, in Roman times, they would have this army and they would be all lined up in a fancy line and they would have all these shields that were up here and they would have the spears that were sticking out and all of a sudden there would be the order from the other army and they're going to come and they're going to be trying to blast you off now so they're going to come running and they're going to try and hit your shield hopefully not your spear but they're going to try and hit your shield and knock you backwards but if you have your feet planted they can't knock you off and the whole idea is we when we have this 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 piece When we have everything that we have in this gospel, it doesn't matter what Satan throws at us. He's not going to knock us backwards. I am planted with the gospel of this peace. I understand what this gospel is. I understand that there's bad news, that I am at war with God, and the gospel is taking that away. And now that the gospel is taken this way, I'm not in conflict anymore. I know that there's peace, peace between you and me, peace between me and the whole church. Most importantly, peace with me and God. And if the Satan ever comes up and he says, you don't know what you're talking about, there's still conflict. I can say, I've got my foot planted. You can't knock me off that. He says, oh, no, there's, I don't care what you say. My foot's planted. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Because my foot is planted. And the way my foot is planted is because I know about the gospel. I know about everything in the good news. And I don't care what you say anymore. Because I am being held in the hands of God. Because of this gospel, I ain't got nothing to worry about. And devil, you can't throw anything at me that's ever going to take that assurance away from me. And I am ready. I am ready. And there's nothing that's going to be able to knock me backwards. And so when you get to this standpoint, you know that you know that you know that I've got it. Because I've got this gospel. Because I've got this peace. And the devil, he cannot take it away. And so you have your feet planted with, you know, with this preparation of the gospel. Okay. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Now this word, in addition, isn't right. It's really over or covering all of this and so there were different shields at this time they had these little uh, bronze shields that were nice and polished and they used them in parades and and everything they also had these big round shields like captain america or something like that and that would be good you know if you're in hand-to-hand combat but this shield is talking about a very, very large shield. It's, it's wider than a person and a little bit taller so that somebody could stand behind that shield. So that when they started pushing, that shield would be able to protect you from anything that was coming. So it says, so take this shield. It says, and with this shield, you can put out the fiery darts. Now the Romans, oh, they were great with all sorts of modern warfare. And they had these angels and they, this, these, these arrows. And they would dip it in tar, and they would set fire to the tar, and they would shoot it at the people. And their goal was to try and set your clothes on fire. It wasn't necessarily trying to kill you, because if they killed you, they would take you out of the battle. If they set you on fire, not only are you out of the battle, but two or three people around you are also going to help try and put out that fire. And so they're able to take two, three, maybe even four people out of the battle at the same time. So they would take these arrows, and they would shoot them. Now, this shield was very important because it would have some type of a piece of wood on it that would catch the arrow. But it, it was, there was another layer in front, which was leather. And when the arrow would go through that leather and land in the wood, there's no more oxygen. And the fire would go out. And that's what he's talking about. He says, there's going to be arrows that are going to be sent to you. And if you got your shield up. If you've got your shield up, then absolutely nothing is going to be able to get through. Okay? It says, so that's what you're going to have to do. And you've got this shield. And this shield is talking about faith. It is faith that it doesn't matter what's happening. Guess what, God? I believe. It doesn't matter what's being thrown at you. I believe. I believe in the promises of God. I believe that it doesn't really matter what you're telling me. It doesn't matter what you're, all these things that you're throwing against me. You can tell me all you want, that this is a lie, that the gospel doesn't make sense. But guess what? I know better. I know better. Because I believe in God. I believe that there is absolutely nothing in this world that can ever take me out of the hand of God. You'll never, ever be able to convince me that God doesn't exist, that he doesn't love me, because I know who God is. I know who I am because of who God is. And he says and because of this, I can hide behind this shield. Because my faith is going to keep me from anything that anybody can throw at me. So he says, so make sure that you've got this shield of faith. He says, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, your head is pretty vulnerable. You can get shot in a lot of other places and survive. You get shot in the head, you're pretty much a goner. And it was true in the first century that heads were vulnerable. And so they would they would get this metal helmet to protect you if from, from being in the hit in the head. Since your head is vulnerable and the head is the source of your thoughts, he says, you have to have something that is going to protect it. And what is it that's protecting your thoughts? Your salvation. Your salvation. Because if somebody is going to throw something at you, if Satan is going to try and convince you that you aren't important to God, if Satan is going to try and tell you that you are 100% hell bound, if you have absolutely no chance you might just be saying, you know, he's right. And you're going to throw your weapons down and you're going to get killed. But if somebody attacks you, if you've got these, these spiritual forces of darkness that are coming up against you, you know what you're going to be able to say? You're wrong. You're wrong because I know who I am, I know my future. My I, my future future is secure. I can look at you know in Romans where it says it doesn't matter. I don't you know it doesn't matter whether it's things you know things past things present. Do you know that that section of verses? There is nothing that can come against me that can take me out of the love of God. Nothing but nothing but nothing. And I know that I know that I know that my salvation is true. My salvation is is wonderful, and you can't steal it, Satan you don't have a chance. He says, and when we get this in our head, he says, then we're protected. Our thoughts are there, our thoughts are protected, and Satan can't touch us. He says, so t- make sure you have this helmet, but also make sure you have the sword of the spirit. Now, sometimes if people say that this sword is the only offensive weapon, I, th- I totally disagree. That's not, that's not the purpose. This, this, uh, this sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, this is the Hermas, which is for us, the written word of God, he says, this is going to be your weapon. What does it say about people who never study? If this is going to be this weapon that is going to be protecting you, you've got to know the word. If the sword of the spirit is the word of God, if you are going to be able to use this sword, you've got to know the word of God. You're not going to get this sword by coming here on Sunday mornings and listen to Robin, you know, preach a sermon. You've got to be doing it your own. You've got to put the seat of your pants in the seat of a chair and make sure that you're doing everything you can to absorb everything in the scriptures, okay? Because that's going to make the difference. So make sure that you have the sword of the Spirit. All right, so we got all this. It's great. We've got all the armor. I've I've got my head protected, my chest protected, all the way down to my feet. Put me in, God. I'm ready for the fight. And Satan says, okay, I mean, so God says, okay, get down on your knees. (laughs) No, 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 no. I said, I've got all my armor on. Put me in the battle. He says, okay, get on your knees. Pray. Come on, God. No, let somebody else do the praying. Let me at the enemy. I'm ready to fight. He says, you're missing the boy. He says, now that you've got all this armor on, make make sure that you show up for the battle. There's a lot of people who are out here, and and, and they're they're fighting, and and they're standing on on what they think is the battlefield, and they get totally killed because they're in the wrong place. Because if you're going to fight this battle, you're going to fight it on your knees. That's the only thing. So you have to have all of this armor, and when you have this armor, you get down on your knees, and you pray. And then the Lord will be able to use all of, this, all of this weaponry. He's going to be able to use all of this armor to make sure that you are able to be successful because you're on your knees. I don't care how many of these other pieces of armor you think you have. If you don't show up for the battle, you're dead. You're dead. And that's the way Paul ends up here. He says, you make sure you have all of this stuff, but then you show up for the battle. He says, if you are down on your knees praying, if you are doing everything that Elijah was doing, you know, because he is, that's what he says in the book of James, he's a man of effectual prayer, if you are doing everything that you're supposed to be doing on your knees in prayer, then Satan doesn't have a chance. That's our goal. That's our goal, to be completely protected. All right, now there's probably people in this room who don't understand what it means to pray. Maybe you have become a Christian, you know, and, 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 and you, you, you've put all these different little pieces of armor on now and then, but you've never really gotten down on your knees. You've never really tried to understand what real prayer means in the heart of a real Christian. I think this is the call. This is the call. You know, all of these things in Ephesians up to this time was head knowledge, okay? He says, now, here's a call to action. Here's what I want you to do. Now that you've learned all this stuff, he says, get down your knees and pray. Get down your knees and pray. When you will do that, all of a sudden, everything that he has been teaching in Ephesians will begin to make sense. Because God will tie it all together. And you don't have to worry about anything anymore. All right, now, there have probably been times when some people in this room have sort of felt the urge because they felt this tug or something and, and you sort of ignored it. Can I tell you, this is, this is the absolute perfect time for you to say, you know what? I am tired of the devil using me. I'm tired of having all of these weapons coming up against me and I'm powerless against it. And the reason for that is you haven't really accepted Jesus. You haven't really said, you know what? It's time. It's time. And, and if you've never accepted Jesus, can I beg you, can I beg you, take care of that today. Take care of it today. We're, we're going to be singing a song and, and, and we're going to be leaving. And if you've never had the chance to accept Jesus, can I just ask you to stay, stay in your chair? There's going to be a lot of people walking, you know, around you just laughing and having a good time. But the most serious thing you can do, the most important thing you can do for your eternal, for, for your eternity, is to talk to somebody. And we, and we have people who can talk to you and can show you the incredible ways to the most incredible eternity that you could ever have. All right. So I'm just I'm just praying that, that you will give us the opportunity to show you what you can do with your eternity. Okay? Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly God, Heavenly Father, it is so important to us to understand the armor, to understand that everything that we have done up to this time is so wonderful and it is so grand. But it means nothing to us until we have totally devoted ourselves by putting our armor on. So Father, help us to do this help us to understand how we're going to protect ourselves in the great battle. And then father help us to show up for the real battle, which is the battle of prayer. Father as we as we, as we leave this place, I'm praying that that over the course of uh, uh, over the rest of today that you will help us to get on our knees and they will understand who you are. That for the rest of this week, for the rest of, for the rest of our lives that we will have the kind of relationship with you that is going to cause us to never ever worry about Satan again because you have allowed us to put on the armor and you are standing firm through us. Father, we glorify you and we are trusting in you to take us as weak individuals and turn us into towers of strength because we're relying on you. In the name of Jesus.